You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I was thinking about this a lot today. I had Casey Johnson on the radio show, and you should absolutely listen to the conversation I had with Casey. We talked about a lot of stuff. We we spent some time talking about Ben Wilson, which I think was an incredible conversation with Casey about that. And if you don't know the history of Ben Wilson, I'm not going to get into it here. I might save that for another segment or a, a whole podcast. But if you don't know anything about Ben Wilson, you should do some research on him. And I will tell you that Casey Johnson was a high school player at Evanston and they played against each other. Anyway, Casey also covers the Bulls and he's done so for a really long time. He used to cover them for the Tribune. Now he covers them for NBC Sports Chicago, which is great. I also work there. It's great to be a teammate of a journalist that I truly respect. And Casey is is one of those people. It was one year where he was covering the Bears, so we intersected as beat reporters, so I guess technically as rivals. Um, but I always found him to be a gentleman, and I, I think that he's great at what he does. That's not what the podcast is about today. The podcast is about what talking to Casey made me think about. And what it made me think about was his piece on the 88 dunk contest. So Casey did a whole oral history on the 1988 dunk contest that pitted Dominique Wilkins, who played for the Atlanta Hawks, versus Michael Jordan. These two guys went back and forth and back and forth like cameo. Just putting great dunk after great dunk out there for your consumption. Dominique did one of the sickest dunks ever. A windmill, two-handed, off of two feet dunk windmill that was just incredible. And it didn't get a good score. Jordan flew in the air from just inside the, the free throw line. That toe was just on the line. And reading... Casey's piece, which is on NBCSportsChicago.com, it made me, it took me back to that moment 
I was 13 years old watching that dunk contest. Just sitting there in the middle of the afternoon going, oh my God, human beings can fly. That moment that got captured of Michael Jordan, the iconic moment where he's in flight and you see him and it's like, oh, this is completely different now. The fact that the anticipation that builds up as Jordan is going all the way back to the other baseline to get enough juice to jump from the free throw line. And I didn't know. It's one of the the great little nuggets of, of information that's inside the story is that Dr. J basically was like, you got to go back there and try and dunk from the free throw line. And then Jordan is able to pull it off. It was fun to to reminisce about that, to think about where the NBA was back then, where things were going for the Chicago Bulls back then, where we had been subject to watching Jordan's greatness, but we were waiting for it to have an impact on the team. Like the, the team needed to take the next steps and, then we started to see kind of the ramp up after that, like through the the bad boys of Detroit winning the title and Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant becoming grown ass men and then helping the Bulls win titles. And you know the, the stories of the six titles. But it was fun to think about that time before, the, the time before any of us knew that we were watching the greatest player of all time. We had definitely seen the glimpses of it, but here's this moment where everything changes. If you if you really think about 1988 and that dunk contest and Michael Jordan taking off from the free throw line, it changed the the way that we even think about fame. It changed the way that we think about the NBA. It helped launch a lot of the iconic Jordan brand stuff. Because as Casey reports in the story, his agent told him, wear your own stuff. Don't worry about wearing bull stuff. Wear your own stuff. And it's so gratifying to to see that. So it, it was just fun to have KC break it down for me. What happened in that dunk contest? And he talked to everyone. And I highly recommend that you look it up. You know, look up the, the, the 1988 dunk contest and you'll be able to see yourself, like how great it was. But here's the thing. I think in my history as a fan of the NBA... I think there are three great dunk contests. The 88 dunk contest, and some people will tell you about 86 too. The 88 dunk contest with the 2000 dunk contest with Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. And the 2016 dunk contest where Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine are just going crazy like with some of the stuff that they came up with. 
it's so funny to me. Like now, like looking back on things as an adult, and you look at all these moments when you're a when you're a kid, and you wonder if you're going to be able to do it. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. Obviously, I had a Nerf hoop. And I remember my parents were so mad at us because a Nerf hoop fit on the back of the wall. The doors to our bedrooms, my brother's bedroom, my bedroom were wooden doors and they were easily scratched. And we used to dunk the snot out of that ball. We play one on one in in the bedroom and we would just be dunking on it. Scratched up the top of the door. My mother hated it. She hated it. And we would get in trouble all the time. We'd be making noise. We'd be, as as old people would say, we'd be roughhousing. That's what we were doing. Like, just playing ball in the house, dunking. I had never experienced this growing up in the city. So when I was 14, we moved from the south side of Chicago out to the South Burbs, and that's how I ended up at, at home with Flossmore. In the city, finding a hoop was difficult. And I'm sure that if you're from Chicago, especially if you grew up in Chicago in the 80s like I did, you probably did some of the stuff that I did. So, okay, so let's say that the closest park is not close enough. Let's say that you don't have friends that have rims. Luckily, growing up on, on near 111th and Halstead, I had a friend named Bootsy. Yes, a friend named Bootsy. And Bootsy's dad owned uh, a Greystone. And they had a, a paved driveway, and they actually had a nice basket. But we couldn't obviously go play over there unless we were playing with Bootsy. And this wasn't like an adjustable thing. This was just, it's a good rim, man. I used to have that. They used to, I remember they used to have a little swing set. And over by the swing set was the three-point line. And I used to drill them from over there. So so if we couldn't go to Bootsy's house, then what do you do? Like you want to play ball, but you can't play ball anywhere. We, we used to take milk crates. And milk crates were prevalent in my household back in the day because my brother is a DJ. And back then, you carry your vinyl records in a milk crate. So what you do with a milk crate is you get a milk crate and you cut out the bottom of the milk crate and then you would nail it to a telephone pole. And you'd play in the alley. you play (laughs) basketball in the alley trying to drain jumpers and dunk on milk crates that were never going to stay on the pole if you were dunking on them, but you're a kid and you don't know. The other thing, like let's say that that's not available to you. What do you do? Let's say you can get to a park, but the park doesn't have have baskets. What do you do? Anyone? Anyone? You play on the monkey bars. You try to shoot the ball into the monkey bars. These are all things that we did. These are all things that we tried to dunk on when we were younger. And then the the piece de resistance for us. My grandmother lived not too far from us. She, we were basically in the same neighborhood. 
but a few blocks away. And she lived next to this store. And the store had closed and had been abandoned for a really long time. And there was this great little piece of concrete that was there that allowed a bunch of us to play what we call gutter ball. And if you're like, wait, what's gutter ball? What is that? It sounds like it's awful. You're right. The gutter, the hanging gutter was our basket. And we would, if you hit the gutter flush, you would get two points. But it had to hit flush. It couldn't hit on the the vaulted roof and then slide down. It had to hit the gutter flush. All these things to play basketball. To play basketball on the south side of Chicago. I imagine that stuff like this was going on in Logan Square. And back in those days, hell, even like Wrigleyville. I imagine those things were going on. But like watching the dunk contest... Like you thought you could do whatever. Seeing Michael Jordan do some of this stuff, you thought you you could do whatever. So then you get out to the suburbs, and these kids have adjustable hoops. Man, when I tell you that there was no more gratifying feeling than lowering the hoop to seven feet and just yamming on the rim. And then you get the the one friend who maybe had a chain on his, or you get the one friend who's got the really quality net. I had so many friends. Like you, you have to understand. I had so many friends that had basketball hoops. And then when we moved out there, we actually had one. But our garage ceiling wasn't high enough so our rim at my house I think our rim was like nine feet and we had one of those sloped driveways too so you're dribbling up and down hills ridiculous but the friends that had the really nice driveways and the baskets and they they had the the adjustables we we do everything you dunk whatever you could find. And that became like the thing that you would you would try to raise it as high as you could to see if you could dunk. And I don't mean to brag, but I once dunked a tennis ball on a nine and a half foot rim. That's right. Nine and a half feet. Straight up dunked a tennis ball. It's my like crowning basketball achievement. Dunking on a nine and a half foot rim with a tennis ball. But that's the power of Michael Jordan. That's the power of the dunk contest. You see something on TV and you go, I think I, I can do it. You can't. But you at least dream about doing it. And what's crazy is, is that Jordan doing Jordan Dominique and Spud Webb and Jerome Kersey, Clyde Drexler, like all these guys doing that. Vince Carter is a little kid somewhere watching that. And like, you know what? I can do that. 12 years later, he puts on what I think is still no diss to Mike. The performance of Vince Carter put on in the 2000 dunk contest in my mind, can never be matched. And I know that Zach 
and Aaron Gordon ripped it up in 2016. In the history of the NBA, to me, there's Vince Carter and then Dr. J. I was looking at the dunk he had on Fred Weiss the other day. Look it up. Vince Carter is in the Olympics or the you know the World Cup. He jumped over like a seven-foot man in the game. Like, this wasn't a setup. Like, Vince got a steal and jumped over a dude that got drafted into the league. Anyway, I appreciate you going down this rabbit hole of dunk reminiscing, and I imagine that you probably did the same thing. If you had a friend with an adjustable hoop, you cannot tell me that you didn't think that you were Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen or Clyde Drexler or Sean Kemp or Charles Barkley or Patrick Ewing or Spud Webb back in the day. So much fun. Shout out to KC for his piece in NBC Sports Chicago. Go read it about the 1988 dunk contest. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening.